Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. PT, you grab that side. I'll grab this side and we will stretch this dollar. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Excellent. Welcome to Money Savage Further. This is George Grombacher. Our guest today is Philip Taylor. He is a CPA, an entrepreneur, the founder of FinCon, as well as the founder of Part-Time Money. I'm excited to have you on. PT, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Awesome, George. Thanks for having me on. I uh, am a 44-year-old married guy with three kids here in North Texas area in Frisco. And uh, personally, I you know enjoy really working on my businesses, so I spend a lot of time doing that. But obviously, with three kids, do a lot of uh, baseball and soccer, uh, <laughs> right? Academic stuff as well. And then I'm a cyclist, a new cyclist, so I enjoy uh, riding my bike as much as possible. And uh, what else? Uh, yeah, just getting to you know live the cool entrepreneur life here at the home office and uh, making the most of every day. I love it. So. Why do you do what you do? What what I mean, obviously, doing the world of accounting is is a unique endeavor, and then uh, founding part time money, helping people to to create uh, secondary, maybe third streams of income, and then um, what is a very very awesome thing, which is FinCon. What what is the motivation that drives you to get up and 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 do the work every day? Yeah, it's certainly not something that at 18, when I was thinking about college and my future life, that I, I marked down on a, on a schedule. So um, it's something I've, I've, I've just sort of discovered and I fell into, uh, I guess, like many things for people in their career trajectory. Uh, for me, I, I chose sort of a safe path. I got an accounting degree and pursued a CPA and worked in traditional finance for a while, sort of following my father's footsteps there. Um, it was cool to be a part of that career and learned a lot. Um, I discovered that I also liked really working on like studying the businesses that I was doing taxes for or auditing. Um, so I thought maybe I should be the entrepreneur and be on the other side of this equation. Um, I just didn't know what that would be. Uh, fast forward a few years, I got married, um, and I started getting really serious about my personal finances. I discovered Dave Ramsey and <laughs> David Bach, of course, who wrote The Automatic Millionaire, which was a really uh, interesting book for me. And it just found myself sort of headed toward this mission of like optimizing my finances as much as possible. Uh, I'd found the girl. I'd started down this path in life now. And, and so I, I think uh, securing our future and sort of giving us flexibility and options in life was really important to me. As part of that journey, I, I didn't just find David Bach and, and Dave Ramsey, but also found personal finance bloggers online, and they were just budding. What was cool, what was about, what was cool about these guys was that they were getting real about their own personal finances. So they were talking about like how they were actually spending their money, some of their savings goals for the year, um, what their net worth was, what they were pursuing, um, why they were doing this, um, and how they were maybe side hustling. So these things got me excited not just the idea of doing it, but actually seeing how someone was doing it. Cause I'd never had these discussions or seen these 
sort of things happening in the real world with my neighbors, friends, or family. Um, so to see this, you know, this cool, weird world of online bloggers sharing this information really just pulled me in. After studying that for a few years, just waiting on the next blog post after blog post, I said, you know what, I need to get in the game too, start my own site. And so I founded uh, ptmoney.com back in 2007 as a way to sort of get in on this conversation, to share my own journey with money, hold myself accountable, and then potentially maybe this could be a side hustle that could uh, you know, become a small business one day. Fast forward three years from that point, and uh, the blog was making you know, enough money on its own with, through ads and affiliate marketing that uh, I could leave that corporate finance career and say bye-bye to that and hello to sort of a new endeavor with working on that. Um, it was something that I did jump into because uh, I'm a very risk of first person. It's been those three years, but also completely financial life. So we get off of our consumer debt other than our house. And uh, we have saved up a bunch of money for retirements. So we're acting out our 401k every year, living off of one income and uh, just pursuing the most optimal financial life you can imagine. And um, so it enabled me to make that leap. A year later, uh, I was looking for the next side hustle. And FinCon, the idea of that came to mind because I I'd really just enjoyed, you know, connecting with the other bloggers that were out there. And so uh, since that point, 2011, when I started FinCon, I've been running both businesses. And um, I, I do it because, you know, it became it, personal finance and, and optimizing my financial life became a passion of mine because I started seeing the results and how it started giving me options and choice in my life and creating cool new things like FinCon. And um, so I, I've continued down that path. Uh, sort of, you know, optimizing my financial life, but also just really digging into the business side as well. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm doing it. Um, and, and, and PT money has evolved through the years. At first it was sort of about me and my debt journey and then it became my investing journey and savings journey. And now it's about the side hustle aspect because my story has had a couple of big side hustle endeavors, the blog and the podcast, I'm sorry, the blog and the, uh, the, the conference. And so I really like to talk about that part of finances, how to take a side hustle and then scale it up to be a full-time business that could, you know, give you lots more options and freedom in your life. And then of course, FinCon, I continue to do it because I just love this community of money media creators like me and you, George, who are out there talking about money um, to consumers on a regular basis. And, and to get together annually uh, through that conference is pretty special because we get to come together and share ideas and talk shop and we just get each other. Um, so yeah, I'm really blessed to be working on the projects I'm working on. Um, they provide a lot of flexibility and value for me and for hopefully for the people, you know, who use them. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing your journey. Do you, can, can, can you put your finger on or tell me when you read Dave Ramsey for the first time? Uh, I was working at an accounting firm in Mansfield, Texas, that would have been around 2002. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So it, it was actually just his radio program. Okay. I, listen to, I was listening to while I would work, while I was working. Nice. Well, I love it. So oh one, oh two, and then he started the blog in 2007, then FinCon, I think he said in 2011, and here we are in, you know, the fourth quarter of 2019. How has, do, do you feel like, like Dave, hit the nail on the head back then and still continues to how, how, how do you see 
just maybe how has financial media changed and is it for the better or for the worse? Yeah. Um, I love what Dave did. He drew me in. I'm a believer as well. And so his message fully, you know, engulfed me at the time. It was what I needed at the time. But I quickly, after I got rid of my debts, I sort of started had changing philosophy from him. So I started, you know, doing travel hacking with credit cards. Um, also didn't pursue, um, you know, the tip that the kind of investing philosophy he has, I, I take more of a passive investing approach. So there's some things with Dave that I've, you know, sort of put on the shelf at this point. I'm thankful for him, though, in his passion for getting rid of debt. In terms of, I think, his reach and his effectiveness, I think at his peak, he was on uh, Fox Business, had his own show. And that was really when, you know, you, you really saw sort of the, the peak of um, sort of single channel media, especially when it comes to personal finance. And that has all just gone away. So there's there's now many, many, many more people and more voices in the space and no one singular philosophy or theory can dominate it. And I think that's one part because of the democratization of media. So we just have, here we are, you know, creating our own media Mm -hmm. over Skype, over Skype and recording it and producing it ourselves, which is amazing. Um, but also because, uh, I think it's been proven that stories is what's is what's working in personal finance media so it's not just a step one step two step three I mean that can only take people so far what really I think pulls people in and is that Dave shares stories of other people mm-hmm. um, and so I think you what how you've seen him evolve is to lean more and more and more on the stories versus the steps and so I think that's why more people are kind of coming to this space and more people are needed and and there's never going to be sort of a financial big financial guru anymore. That that idea I think has just gone away. I think there are just many voices um, that are that are just going to be resonating with uh, with people and sort of meeting them where they're at. A real democratization is happening. So I'm thankful for what Dave did. I don't necessarily take all of his advice, but um, you know I, I think the way of the future is more voices. Yeah, well, I appreciate all that, and I think that that's really well said. And I love, I, I'm fond of calling Dave Ramsey Uncle Dave just because you know he sort of started the whole thing to a degree. So, but anyway, awesome. So you've talked a little bit about, or a couple times you mentioned optimizing your financial life, and that's probably an enormous, enormous topic or subject area. Are there certain things that you really point to, and you say, okay, this is something that I learned that everybody should be doing or could really benefit from? Yeah, the, the thing that really worked with me early on was um, automating my savings. So whether that be to a savings account for an emergency fund or for my 401k or for an HSA. So in any kind of savings product out there for myself, I would set up an automated uh, contribution toward it. And I'm a spender, you know, so I'm naturally going to spend the money that's in my savings account or in my mm-hmm. checking account. So as quick as possible... I need to get that money out from underneath me and put it and put it somewhere else away from me. Um, and so, um, I think there's a self-awareness, you know, that kind of needed to happen. I didn't really didn't know that about myself until I tried to discipline or, or try hard and save money. And that just didn't work for me. I would, I would, you know, hold, you know, prevent my saving or prevent, prevent spending for like a month at a time. Mm-hmm. And then I would sort of forget about it the next month and I would just go spend all that money. And so as long as it was still in the same bucket for me, 
you know, it, I always, always found a way to kind of spend it down the road. And so I have found that automating my savings and getting it out from underneath me is the quickest path to success. What was the quickest path to, to actually seeing like some momentum going. And when I started seeing my emergency fund, which was in a separate bank at a savings account, my 401k, which was at an institution and, and, and had some, you know, tax, you know, disadvantages to pulling that money out early. So I was creating these firewalls for my money and I could no longer like go get it. And so I started seeing that money build up and it's like, well, that's cool. You know, it's, it's actually working. Um, and I'm able to just sort of freely spend the rest. Um, that was kind of a, a thing that really worked for me. Um, it's not for everybody I know, but for me it worked because I could be intentional about money just for a little bit in terms of the setup process and then sort of do a little bit of a set and forget kind of mentality. Um, so that's been big for me through the years. Um, so yeah, that's worked. Yeah. I think that that's a, a huge thing, right? And, and I appreciate everything you just said, because I think that if we do not set parameters on things, our expenses or spending will expand, consume all available resources. <laughs> so, right. uh, you know, there's a reason that, that, that auto enroll and auto escalate are such popular features on 401k plans, just because, I mean, I want the best for myself, I think, a lot of the time, but then, you know, I do something completely the opposite sometimes. So the more firewalls then that, that they can put up, the better. Yeah. That's a very real thing, too. I mean, when you start seeing your emergency fund start to grow and your 401 or your retirement account, even if it's just, you know, $1,000, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is pretty cool. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. You know, I'm somebody who's actually capable of saving money and, and investing. What, uh, what, what role do you think that that, I guess, is it, is it confidence? Is it momentum? What, what role has that played for you? Do you see it playing for other people? Yeah, I think it's, uh, there's certainly a confidence, you know, and sort of a, a badge of honor. And again, you t- take, uh, take myself back to where I was mentally back in 2003 and four, I just discovered these other people who were sharing sort of what they were doing. And so for me, it was it was a way of saying, okay, now I'm sort of becoming on par with what I see my peers doing. Right. So I I I put myself in a circle of people who were doing cool things or what I thought were cool things with their money. And so by seeing those savings accounts, the 401ks maxed out for the year, like all these things happening, it was like, okay, I feel like I'm I'm like like a part of the club in a way. so it was it was one part like that accountability factor I think of just surrounding myself with those people, um, and then you know a, a, as you go, you just you know you just start believing more and more in the system, and so it's like okay this this work this is what works so I'm just going to continue to do that. Yeah, and that accountability factor, having good people around you. I feel like I feel like with all the wonders of technology, it is having the impact of of isolating us at the same time, even though we are virtually connected. And I can't help but think that that plays a major role in a lot of the ills that we're feeling as a society. But that's probably a conversation for another day. But having having that supportive community, uh, I think is is really key. Do you have thoughts on that? Like uh, in addition to what you've already said? Yeah, I mean, um, I, th- I think certainly the more we become isolated and the more we have the option to really like use the internet and in this new digital world to really self-select into the places we want to connect with. Right. So we can build our own feeds in life now, mm-hmm. but you have to be, you have to be proactive at that. Um, but it also means you can really find the people that 
you know, you want to be like. So subscribe to them on YouTube, find their podcast and listen to them. Um, and then that becomes sort of a part of your circle versus just, you know, I walk outside and there's my neighbor and there's a person I see at church. I mean, I'm not just now limited to those people who oftentimes with money are not willing to have that conversation or are not talking about that stuff publicly, which I think is a natural tendency. Um, but with with groups online and in some t- cases, Annette, anonymity, anonymous people (laughs) um, um, or have a tendency to be able to share more. And that's how I started out. I started out as just PT so I could share more anonymously. And so um, I think it creates, you know, safe spaces online to be able to have these discussions that the current culture may not be ready to have. And so um, I think that's healthy, but you have to still be intentional about seeking out those feeds. If you're just sort of taking what Twitter or YouTube naturally gives you in their feeds you may not find it, but if you drill down into the subjects and the people you want to surround yourself with and sort of curate your own experience, um, I think you can create a cool culture for yourself um, to kind of have some things to aspire to. Yeah, talk about talk about an enormous opportunity, but the requirement to be super intentional about what it is yeah. that, 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 that you're curating. And I mean, well, that's so well said. You can build your own feeds in life. I, 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 I love that. So... Is there anything that, that, that you look to and, and you see, because you are, I mean, I think one of the really cool things about doing this podcast is I've had the opportunity to talk to literally hundreds of really, really smart people and I get all these different thoughts and ideas. Are there any that, uh, that, that have really jumped off the page for you over the past, well, FinCon 2019 just kind of wrapped up. Was Was there one piece of advice or thought that, that really jumped off the page for you this year? Yeah. Um, I'll share, I'll, I'll share one that our, uh, that our keynote speaker Ramit Sethi sort of leads with. Um, and I sort of alluded to it when I was talking about my, my spending habits, but, um, it's, it's the idea that, um, there's sort of a lot baked into this idea, but it's really that, you know, when it comes to spending, I, I think it's, there's one philosophy that says, you know, reduce all your spending as much as possible so that you can save more or do more with your money. And I think for a period of time in life, that's healthy. I went through a period of my life when I first started, it was like, okay, how can I maximize like getting every dollar not spent, you know, yeah. whether that's, whether that's getting rid of the car and bicycling, you know, to work from then on or whatever it is like drastically reducing things. Um, but what Ramit's philosophy has always been, and he's, he's ever since he, you know, wrote the book, I will teach you to be rich, you know, 10 years ago, he's sort of had this philosophy, which is, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's essentially spend money on the things, um, spend money like freely on the things that you enjoy in life, mm-hmm. but cut, expen- cut your spending on things that aren't that big of a deal. So drastically cut the spending on the things that aren't that big of a deal. And so I think that was part of his message um, this year, which really kind of spoke to people who, because of the fire movement that's happening right now, and there's really a, a focus on hyper frugality and, and really cutting expenses to the bone. Um, Ramit's message, I think was a little bit of pushback on that saying that's cool, but make sure, you know, you're kind of enjoying life too here and make sure that it's more of a full intention in terms of what you want to spend. Um, and make sure you're, you're really cutting on the things that, uh, that don't matter to you. So, I don't know if that's uh, 
if that's a novel takeaway or not, but that's certainly something that kind of bubbled out of um, bubbled out of the conference this year. So. I, I I think that that's I think that that is absolutely wonderful advice. And I mean, whether or not there's any new ideas under the sun, I don't know the answer to that. But it's in how you sort of take and, and present that idea, if it's in the form of narrative, like we've been talking about, or however it is. But but I completely agree. That's been something that's been on my mind. Um, as of late as well is amplify the stuff that really does bring you joy and then try to get rid of the crap that, 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 that doesn't. And the same thing goes for time. So I think that that's awesome advice. Well, PT, yeah, yeah a go small ahead. Example, small example from me, just to, just to just share an anecdote is I don't think I've bought a shirt in like <laughs> a year and a half. You know, I wear a lot of cheap conference t-shirts, believe it or not. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I did spend $800 on a new bike, you know, and yeah. that's still just an entry level of cycling bike. Mm-hmm. But, um, it, it shows that, you know, um, I, in some ways in my life, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pursue that and that intentionality with how I spend my money. And so, um, you know, for, for a lot of other people, they're like, $800 on a bike. That's insane. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I would never do that. You can always find a cheaper bike. And I'm like, yeah, you, you probably could. But, um, you know, I, I'm totally comfortable spending that. And then there are other things in my life where, you know, I wear, I wear cheap t-shirts. So I love it. <laughs> no, that's a perfect example. So, well, PT, thanks so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. PTMoney.com is the website. You can email me PT at PTMoney.com. And then uh, the the conference is over at FinConExpo.com. Something new we're launching in 2020 is the Financial Freedom Summit, and that's at Financial Freedom Events. And that's something we're going to be partnering with. It's not a conference for media folks like us, George, but it's a conference for people who are uh, pursuing financial freedom and just regular consumers. You don't have to have a blog to come to that event. And it's uh, next May in uh, St. Louis. So we'd love to have you check that out as well. The Financial Freedom Summit. So it's... What was the address on that one again? Financialfreedomevents.com. Financialfreedomevents.com, ptmoney.com, and finconexpo.com. I love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show PT your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go and check out all the great information that he is working on and, and producing. Can definitely recommend it, and uh, and we've had so many, so many of the guests on uh, on Money Savage have raved about FinCon. So I can only imagine that uh, the FinancialFreedomEvents.com will be an awesome event coming up in May. So thanks again, PT. Thanks, George. Awesome. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement: I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about. How do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!